Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. We're home. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host. She is cooler than Rex without... Oh, no, you know what? That was a spoiler. She's cooler than not giving away Clone Wars spoilers the day it comes out, okay? I'm just putting that out there. It's Lindsay. I like that introduction. I like it when you mess up because I feel like it's the only time I can actually live up to the hype that you built for me. Who said I messed up? We're all fine here. We're fine here. How are you? It's going just as planned. And Lindsay, we have a uh, we have a very special guest, somebody that I have looked forward to being able to talk to for quite some time now. We are joined by the immaculate Amy Ratcliffe. Oh my, such an adjective to use. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. I know um, you and I have talked for, you know, off and on um, emails or Twitter or whatever um, before. And, and I just kind of told you how much uh, I look up to you and, and you have kind of taken the path that I hope to to be able to take with Star Wars and taking that passion. So I'm really excited that we get to get your unique perspective for this uh, this episode of our Diversity Alliance series. But we have a really the most important question that we ask for every episode is what are you Star Warsing lately? So Amy, I feel like I know, but go <laughs> ahead and tell us what you're Star Warsing. I bet bet you're probably right, Brandon. I am Star Warsing all over Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Shocker. I know. <laughs> so well, we'll we'll stick no spoilers, but just overall impressions of uh, this season so far. What do you what are you thinking? I can't believe even just this last arc. Like, what a gift, <laughs> honestly. it's The animation is gorgeous. I love seeing more of Ahsoka, of course, and I'm just really impressed. <laughs> I don't have words. I'm like, I can't believe it's going to end in a few days. It's, like, I really thought, because I'm also a huge uh, Clone Wars fan, um, and, and Ahsoka is, is literally the blood that runs through my veins, and so I, I thought I would be a little more i don't know down or it would be a little bittersweet heading into uh we're recording this on on may 2nd going into may the 4th and knowing you know that that's going to be the end of it uh but i'm actually like really excited and and i feel like this is going to be a conclusion worthy of the story that we've gotten across all seven seasons now absolutely the same and you know i thought if if we would have only had her ending at the end of season five, right, when she's walking away, it's a great end for the character. But to get to come back and just see this part of the timeline and to see her role in it, it's pretty incredible. Well, and we had a lot going on with, you know, getting her back in Rebels um, and getting a lot of, of her stuff there. And that's that's my particular favorite era of Ahsoka is the, the Rebels era because I like that we get to see that she walked away. She did the tough thing, but it paid off and she became the person she was supposed to be. Um, 
you know, that I think that adds a, a whole nother layer to it. But to see kind of this time with the transition that she's going through of like being a Jedi and fighting for the galaxy to transitioning to fighting for people and individuals uh, is something that is, you know, especially right now with where we're at, you know, as a teacher, I'm like struggling with the whole distance learning and, and everything. But I'm like, you know what, if I could just get one more kid, you know, um, and so once again, Ahsoka steps up and uh, just is everything is everything. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, what about you? What are you other than Clone Wars? Because we're going to do whole episodes on that. What, what have you been into lately? So you're not going to believe this, Bay, but I finished this week. You know, last time we spoke, I told you that I started accidentally rewatching Rebels because I was getting my brother-in-law into it. So obviously I had to binge watch the, the, whole, the whole series. As one um, does. I, I couldn't help it. I finished that earlier this week. And then I watched Clone Wars on Friday, and I decided to take kind of a three-day hiatus for Star Wars because I know I had texted you kind of my 18-hour itinerary for May the 4th, but I took wow. Monday off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I took Monday off. I'm planning on a, a nice 3 a.m. wake up, which actually is still pretty normal for me. Um and just kind of do all of my highlights. So I'm going to watch my favorite movies, my favorite episodes of each of the series, and then get some time in for the new uh, Mandalorian documentary. So I thought it would be nice to to take a little three-day break and just kind of go in fresh and excited, except now I have no idea what to do with myself this week. <laughs> Read a book. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you guys... Because I have I have this, I don't know, quirk or, or what you want to call it. But when we have big event stuff like this, like Siege of Mandalore or um, even like the first episode of The Mandalorian, it was almost like like this sacred experience. And so I had to be in the right like space to sit down and watch it, you know, like I had to. I had to have like a good meal with it and something, you know, something like a little sweet. I don't know. Do you guys have like rituals that you do like to sit down and watch these new episodes or is it just like wake up and don't even worry about the coffee I need? I need Clone Wars. No coffee. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not a monster. No, I, <laughs> I wake up nice and early. I make myself a cup of coffee. I wait you know, a couple of minutes for it to cool down, and then I can enjoy whatever the new episode or the new event is with a cup of coffee in my hand because I'm not a maniac. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting with Mandalorian. I, you know, I'm on the West Coast, so I'm a little, to stay up late to watch it isn't that, I mean, for some people it's not that hard. I'm not good at staying up past 11 p.m. So, Mandalorian, I would wait until the Friday evening after I came home from work. And that was very much like when I watch anything in the evening, I like to like, let's make dinner first. Let's watch it with dinner. Like, I don't know how to eat dinner without watching a television show or a movie or something. It just feels weird to just sit at a table. And <laughs> I love talking to my husband, but I don't know. Like, I like, prefer to just watch something. <laughs> yeah, it's like the awkward, like, OK, now we have to talk kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, 
I don't know. But then with Clone Wars, I was doing the same until the Siege of Mandalore arc. And then I've been getting up, you know, around, you know, one thing about working from home right now is no commute, right? So I can still get up like at seven-ish or eight-ish and have plenty of time to get ready. I'm using quotation marks you can't see in the air um, for work. But it is very much a roll out of bed, get comfortable on the couch, let's watch Clone Wars immediately. Because I am a maniac, and also I can't have caffeine, so. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can can do it pretty well, you know, as long as I do have that cup of caffeine in some form. Um, But I find that I watch it once and kind of just enjoy it, and then I need to go back later on in the day, either after work or now during lunch, something like that. And watch it to really evaluate it, let it sink in, have a little bit more context. But Brandon, now with the past uh, three weeks, I'm trying to do what you did, which is really only just watch these episodes once, maybe twice for a couple of them. And then after uh, the finale comes out, I want to sit down and watch it all together. Because I really respect, you know, Amy, we have this one girl on our team, Adriana. And she decided to skip these past few weeks and not watch any of them as individual episodes, but just wait for all four to be out and watch wow. Siege of Mandalore as just a movie. So that's one of those, like, I wish I had that self-discipline. I don't. I know this about myself. <laughs> but I, th- I think that must be such a cool way for her to watch it. So I'm trying to get as close to that as possible. Yeah, I didn't, the second episode, um, I only watched one time just because I'd never really had a chance when I could sit down and watch it again. And so I'm going to just go ahead and do that the same since we only have, a, you know, a couple more days until um, episode four comes out. I am just going to watch episode three one time and then I'm going to, I'm actually going to start by watching all four in a row and just like get that full experience the first time um, going into to uh, the fourth episode because that's what I did with Bad Batch and it just felt good to kind of like look at the whole story as, as one big thing so oh, by the time you guys are listening you've probably already seen Clone Wars and you're like oh you guys are so calm but it was life changing <laughs> it's like a point of no return we just like it's going into this going you know the whole the whole story of Star Wars particularly like one of the best Star Wars movies is like, it's not changing, but it's evolving so quickly with all these new episodes. It's just, it's done masterfully. And uh, yeah, I, what else can I say, guys? It's really, really good. It's really good. Um, but we, we want to really uh, honor Amy's time and get into our discussion about uh, women in Star Wars and the female experience in Star Wars fandom as part of our Diversity Alliance series. So I am going to send it to Bill from Happy Beeps, and he is going to hit you with some knowledge about um, some female characters and collecting in Star Wars, and then we will come back and get right into the discussion. Buddy, come on. I'm with the droid on this one. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy Beeps, buddy, come on. Happy Beeps. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy Beeps, buddy, come on. Happy Beeps. I'm with the droid. Hey everybody, it's Bill from Happy Beeps. 
Today we're talking about the women of Star Wars, and I want to go over with you the most popular female Star Wars characters as measured by the number of times those characters were produced as toys. And at Happy Beeps, we do track action figures, 3 and 3 quarter, 6 inch, and 12 inch, but we also track bobbleheads, cars, figurines, Lego, and plush toys. If you like to collect it, you'll find it over at Happy Beeps. So let's start with the female Star Wars characters that have had three. In that category, we've got Paige Tico. Juno Eclipse from The Force Unleashed, Mara Jade from Legends, the second sister from Rebels, Mon Mothma, and Janna from The Rise of Skywalker. Moving up, we've got characters that have been produced four times. That's four times across all the various merchandisers. And there we have Stas Ali from The Jedi Council, Ula from Jabba's Dungeon, Val from Solo, Zori Bliss, and Cara Dune from The Mandalorian. One female character was produced six times. Hera Sandula from Rebels. Three female characters have eight likenesses of them. That's Shakti from the Jedi Council, Asajj Ventress from the Clone Wars, and Enfys Nest. Also, three characters have nine toys. That's Aura Singh from the Phantom Menace and the Clone Wars, Kira from Solo, and Ayla Sakura. There are two characters, two, that have ten likenesses produced for them. That's Luminara Unduli and Maz Kanata. And now we're getting into the big time. Sabine Wren from Rebels has been produced 11 times. Rose Tico has been produced 13 times. Jin Erso from Rogue One has been produced 22 times. Captain Phasma has been produced 23 times. And Ahsoka Tano from The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels produced 24 times. And now we're getting into the big time. Our top three. Padme Amidala has been produced 53 times, 42 times as an action figure, twice as a bobblehead, six times as a Lego, and three times as a plush toy. Ray has been produced 68 times, 35 action figures, 12 bobbleheads, seven die-cast cars, two figurines, seven Lego minifigures, and five plush toys. And the princess herself, Leia of Alderaan, has been produced 145 times. That's 89 action figures, 18 bobbleheads, 3 die-cast cars, 26 Lego minifigures, and 9 plush toys. It's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. To learn more, go over to happybeeps.net. Have a great day and may the Force be with you. Your lightsabers will make a fine addition to my collection. Hope. This is the fulcrum of the Star Wars story. Even in the darkest of moments, there is hope. At Clashing Sabers, we believe in the power of stories, stories like Star Wars. They have shaped us as they have shaped you. Our galaxy faces its own challenges during these dark times. Never before has our future needed a new hope more. When students return to school next year, there will be worry, trepidation, fear. They will need these stories to give them hope, books to light their way, hope to keep them moving forward. We will fight if there is hope. And there is. You are the hope. To celebrate Star Wars Day this year, consider donating to our literacy initiative. These books will be sent to schools and classrooms across the country to support student learning and let them know that others are thinking of them. It is a really empowering, inspiring thing for these students and you can make all the difference. Help us, dear Star Wars fans. You are these students' only hope. We 
are back and we are talking, as I mentioned, about women in Star Wars as part of our Diversity Alliance series. And uh, once again, I get the pleasure of just sitting back and getting to learn from two extremely intelligent people um, to, to kind of school me on what it's like to be a woman in uh, the Star Wars fandom. And, and that's kind of where I want to start, ladies. And, and Amy, I'll start with you. Just like, what is... What has been your your background in the Star Wars fandom, and and how did you get to to where you are today with Star Wars? Just kind of like catch up our listeners on on who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Let me um, try to do a condensed version of this, so I don't take up the whole time. <laughs> the elevator um, pitch. The elevator pitch. I first saw Star Wars when I was a teenager, when the original trilogy was re-released in theaters. Enjoyed it, but it just didn't, like, hook me. But Clone Wars did. So, you know, what, ten years later, something like that. I fell in love with Clone Wars. Just brought me hardcore into the Star Wars galaxy. Made me reevaluate all of it, dig into the mythology. Uh, It's been downhill since. And that inspired me just a love of Clone Wars and wanting to talk about it with other fans inspired me to start my own blog in about 2009. And then I realized, hey, I can talk about other geeky things here that I like as well, whether it's comics or Firefly or Battlestar Galactica and connect with other people who also enjoy those things. And it was about that time I started using Twitter too. Anyway, um, since the like around, I don't know, 2010, 2011, I started to get paying work. So I was doing my own blog outside my day job, putting in a ton of hours, giving myself, learning all about what anxiety was for the first time in my <laughs> life and realizing it was not a healthy thing to maintain. And it was so funny. I was like, what is happening to me? Am I like just the process of realizing what stress can do? do physically to your body (laughs) what a ride (laughs) anyway i was able to build up enough paying work to quit my then day job which was in pet food and some of that paying work was stuff like starwars.com and star wars uh, star wars insider magazine and eventually that work led me to being freelance full-time and then working at nerdist as an editor full-time and also getting offered getting approached basically by Chronicle Books to write Star Wars Women of the Galaxy because Lucasfilm kindly put my name in the ring for that. Whew. Man. Um, it's a really long elevator ride, Brandon. Hey, you know what? We had a lot of floors to go up. It, it's fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you just real quick before we, we dig into um, the real topic I've always kind of wondered, because you mentioned not really getting into the original trilogy when you saw it before, and it really took Clone Wars to get you into it. Are you, have you now come around and and really started to enjoy the original trilogy, or is it more just kind of, yeah, it's there, but not, I'm not going to watch it that often kind of thing? No, oh gosh, just, I guess revisiting Clone, or discovering Clone Wars and kind of revisiting the galaxy through that made me look at things in a different way, so I watch the original trilogy again for only the second time and the prequel trilogy again only for the second time and found a lot to love and empire strikes back is my oh it's up there with last jedi now but it's like my favorite film a star wars film i mean film period really um 
which is has a 40th anniversary this month, which is crazy. Crazy. So, yeah, it's weird that I watched, you know, these stories. Maybe it's just where you are in your life that makes a difference. And by the time I got to Clone Wars, I had moved away from my very small town and started to discover there were other people like me who enjoyed nerdy things, which was not really the case in my small town. Not not many people anyway, That at least not that I knew. And I was just becoming... You know, I'd moved from the small town, like I said, to California. I'd found a new nerd community. And I just felt like more myself, finally, at a, you know, in my mid-20s than I did when I saw the movies when I was a teen. So I think that played a part in it as well. For me, that's also kind of been what happened. Like, I, I kind of fell away from Star Wars for a good, like, 10 years. Um, just and really got into you know sports and and what guys are supposed to be into kind of thing um but there's something about star wars that if you get it at the right point in your life like i like i've talked about with ahsoka for me it's it can really alter uh not just like your life's journey i feel like uh but who you are as a person and as an individual and so thinking about that uh amy how has how has your experience being a woman and just as a woman, how has that influenced how you read Star Wars or, or the approach that you take to the saga? Oh, that's a it's a good question. Because certainly, you know, when you look at maybe, and that was part of why the original trilogy and prequel trilogy didn't resonate with me, given that I'm, I was watching them in the late 90s, is, especially with the original trilogy, I, I love Leia. She is the original, uh, just kicking butt, taking charge, uh, princess slash just amazing character. What the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our skins. Into the garbage, boy. Those films pretty much have Leia. Mon Mothma too, I guess, but it's not a trilogy that gives female characters a lot of screen time. Prequel certainly better, but you, you have pretty much Padme in the lead and the others are supporting characters. So by the time you get to Clone Wars that I'm like, oh, they're just giving a lightsaber to like, here's a teenage girl with a lightsaber like holding her own uh, sass wise at least against Anakin Skywalker (laughs) um and that was really cool to see and also like yeah this is how it should be like let Clone Wars even with given that a lot of the female characters are aliens it still was nice to be like yes there is actually a fair amount of representation here compared to the other films and not that there wasn't room for improvement because I I think there always is and still is so even from the beginning it happens to me less now but you have that thing where men and fandom particularly want you to prove to them that you can you can really be a fan by I don't know knowing trivia which is I have a terrible memory and that's just dumb anyway Um, and you have often men using terms like, oh, you're a true fan, if X, Y, Z. And it's like, that's not even a thing. <laughs> so I kind of hit that barrier of, at first, like, is this fandom going to be welcoming? But once you get past, like, that, like then there are some just genuinely not cool people in this fandom. That's a nice way to put it. But by and large, I've had a very positive experience at 
in the fandom, but especially like when I go to events like Celebration, even though one time at Celebration Orlando in, I don't know, 2012-ish, I think. So I have a Rebel Alliance tattoo on my left shoulder, and I had just come into a screening, I guess it was of Clone Wars then, because Rebels hadn't started. And anyway, the, the person I sat next to, this man I sat next to in the theater, assumed, asked if I got my tattoo because of my boyfriend. Wow. And I was like, what? Like, it's, why do you assume that? So That's anyway. assumption. And yeah. <laughs> again, and it's never left to me just that somebody's that would be their go-to. Like, oh, you, you didn't get this for yourself because you like Star Wars. And I still get like, not that extreme, thank goodness, but comments about the like, because it's on my shoulders and I live in a place where it's warm. So I'm often sleepless in the summer. So usually really nice comments, but sometimes it's just like, okay, we're still, we're still doing that. Like it's a never ending, like it's been better as far as feeling more welcome in as a female fan and in Star Wars and just in the broader geek community. But it's, you know, it's it's still a thing because I've certainly experienced similar things. Um, and I find that with those, you know, we'll call them the male gatekeepers, where you have to prove yourself and you have to pass this weird litmus test, especially because I'm the same as you. I'm not really into trivia, and I think that's a stupid way to prove how much Star Wars means to you. Um, but I find that the more I lead with, oh my god, I love Star Wars, the more I can show off Star Wars tattoos, wear Star Wars shirts... Uh, Star Wars phone case, like the more I just put it out there, the less I feel like I have to prove myself at a later date, as opposed to someone maybe just mentioning Star Wars, I say, oh, I really like it. And then I have to go through that whole, oh, yeah, you really like it. Well, tell me this. (laughs) Answer this question. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just gonna let this freak flag fly as high as I can and see what happens. That's I like that approach. It's It's worked for me so far. This just like reminds me of an interaction I had with uh, one of the teachers I work with. The our art teacher is new this year, um, and just randomly she came upstairs. Uh, we, and she teaches downstairs. I'm upstairs, and she like brings these bags. She's like, "Hey, I had a bunch of Star Wars books. Do you want them?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." Because obviously, like my room is all Star Wars and anything and everything. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, I bet I bet I'm an even bigger Star Wars fan than you." And I was like. Well, I mean, I kind of have a podcast and a blog and a de- and she's like, no, nah, no, you win. But it was fun to like joke around, you know, because we had that relationship. But I think that's something that people forget when when you have those interactions. You know, Lindsay, you said it perfectly like gatekeepers. Like, I've just never understood, like, how are you going to measure whether I'm a better fan or you're a better fan? And it's just kind of it's a ridiculous standard that I think we I think from from one angle, there's like a defense mechanism, you know, because nerds used to be the ones who were picked on and bullied. And maybe there was something there of like, well, you need to show, you know, your worth or something. I don't know. It's weird. It, it's just weird. And stop it, people. Just stop it's, it. It's so counterintuitive in Star Wars, especially because I've always said the thing I love about this fandom is, yeah, you have those people who are so vocal and so negative. But if you really take a look, if you go to Celebration, What I find amazing is there's so many different ways to show how you love this. So it's not just, you know, how many trivia questions can you answer or how many of these books have you read? 
there are people who have these elaborate cosplays which I'm always in awe of, I just know I would never do. It's not my thing. So if you were to measure how much someone loves Star Wars by how much they go out and cosplay, or if they're in the 501st, I'm not a Star Wars fan at all. If you were to measure someone by how big of a Star Wars fan are you because you have thousands of dollars of collectibles, there's going to be other people who don't seem like fans at all. So the fact that you, you have all these weird ways of measuring someone's fandom instead of just like, hey, sit down and tell me what Star Wars means to you. Like, what's your favorite part and why? How do you kind of carry out the values you've learned in Star Wars in your day-to-day life? Like, those are the more important questions in my mind that no one ever, ever cares to ask. You're right, because it is more of a, what do you know? What do you have? Did you make armor recently? Um when it could it, it's for me it's as simple as do you like star wars you do awesome i'm so excited i have someone who likes star wars to talk about yeah. it with yeah like why why would the more the merrier welcoming to that yeah why why is the question i'm gonna try and be better than you as opposed to great i just made a new friend i can't wait to like text them at 3 30 in the morning saying hey did you watch this episode yet <laughs> thanks brandon you're welcome <laughs> i do what i can so uh, I want to kind of dig into because Ahsoka obviously is is a super important character to me, and we'll come back to that in a in a little while. But for for both of you, which female characters do you connect with, or are the most important to kind of your life? And and Lindsay, I'm going to throw it to you first because I I know what answer is coming here, and I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, just because <laughs> mine mine's kind of changed, you know. I've been um, part of this fandom for 20 years, and if you were to ask me 10 years ago what the answer would be, it would be so vastly different because this character didn't exist yet. Uh, but now, sitting here in 2020, I can so easily say, to me, it's Ray, because I so value her characteristics. I see these similarities between her and I, you know, between kind of the the stubbornness a little bit, but the see what has to be done, get down and just do it. Find those few people that you care about and really make them the center of your life, but you don't necessarily have to be so showy about it. You know, there's there's all these weird characteristics that I see myself in her so clearly and I admire her for the way she goes about them. But on the flip side, too, it's so fun for me because, you know, I I know I never shut up about them, but I I love my nephews so much, you know, my four and five-year-old nephews who just freak out every time Ray is on screen. And if we're watching one of the new movies in the sequel trilogy, you know, my five-year-old Ryan, as soon as Ray's not on screen, he just turns around and goes, where's Ray? Where's Ray? When's Ray coming back? Can you just fast forward? <laughs> like, like I love sharing that with them. Um, but it's it's fun because when you're a really big fan of Star Wars and when you carry these stories with you, that answer gets to change. You know, when I was nine years old, it was Padme. When I was twenty years old, it was Ahsoka. Now that I'm thirty years old, it's Ray. And I can't wait to, to see what the answer to that question is going to be when I'm 40. It'll be, it'll be quite interesting because we've got a lot of, of new Star Wars content coming out, you know. Um, and, and obviously, we're all pushing for, for more diversity. So hopefully there'll be some more great 
characters, but female characters in in particular, to allow you know more people to to connect with Star Wars, so we can have more people in. So, Amy, what about you? Who are are some female characters that you personally connect with or or have influenced your life? You know, I don't think it's a secret to say that Ahsoka has just changed my life. She was one of the big reasons why I fell into the Clone Wars, even though at the beginning, you know, we she was young and, and petulant and, and mildly annoying sometimes, as I probably was when I was that age as well. But she really, we watched her grow up, and there's a line she actually recently said about that, in the new clone or in the latest episode that I, that I won't spoil, but she grew up being a Jedi, learning how to be a Jedi, this guardian of peace in a time of war, which is really, uh, it was really effed up that I have a lot of feelings about the Jedi in the prequel trilogy and their decision to go to war, but this is not the time. So watching Ahsoka navigate that and consistently you know, learn when she makes mistakes try to be better, try to learn. She was always curious about, you know, when she was presented with uh, Amina Bonteri and, and learning about the Separatists, she tried to be open-minded, I think, as much as she could, given what the Jedi had taught her about. Because I don't consider the Jedi to be super um, open to new points of view. So watching Ahsoka process just everything going on with the Clone Wars, and then at the end, be utterly betrayed, I feel like, by the Jedi Council, and still pick herself up. And even before we got this last season of Clone Wars, we had the Ahsoka novel, we had, like you said, Brandon, Star Wars Rebels, and we saw that she still chose to be, pardon the pun, a force for good. She bounced back. She was resilient. She knew she wanted to help people ultimately and whether she was a Jedi or not, like it that didn't that didn't define who she she didn't let that define who she was. And I really like grew up with her, I feel like, in my fandom. So by the time she got her character got to Star Wars Rebels, we were about the same age, Ahsoka and I. And she had become this quite wise Gandalf like a mentor and teacher and when you compare where she is then to the character we met on Christophsis and the Clone Wars film like what a journey and what an inspiring journey to help you like to do the right like an inspiration to do the right thing to not be to be selfless instead of selfish to kind of just you know, she does something that I wish I did more in life and tried to do is just you assume the best of people until you know otherwise. And that can be so hard to do, but I feel like she demonstrates that time and time again. So I love Ahsoka and through just, the, you know, that passion for the character that helped me find what I wanted to be when I grew up. And on the flip side of that, Ashley Eckstein, who voices her, has... She's one of the kindest people I've ever met, but especially when I was starting out writing, she was about the time she founded her universe, and I'd interviewed her about her universe things, and she knew what I was interested in doing as far as having like a, a reporting career and writing about Star Wars, and she worked with the Lucasfilm publicist, who I'm now, you know, I work with closely to get me a spot on the, I think it was the season four 
premiere of Clone Wars. Um, like the red, it was a blue carpet because they were at an aquarium, but like a spot on the carpet to interview the cast. And she didn't have to do that. So Ahsoka on both sides, the character and the person who voices her, have just really shaped my my career. Um, and it's, it's kind of wild to think about. But yeah, that character means the world to me. So, I mean, that... that- brings me to the question of like there's of course you know stereotypes out there that you know women can't get along or catfighting or whatever you know kind of like separating women kind of stereotypes are out there do you guys find that in star wars fandom is it is it easier for you to connect with other female fans is it harder is it just kind of like it doesn't really matter what gender it what gender a person is it's just more like the ideas that you connect off of so it's interesting for me, actually, because I find that generally when I can find other women who have this interest, it should be a home run for me. It should be like, great, new friend, automatically, they're going to be a good person. But I find when I do get resistance from other female fans, it's because this is something I'm noticing more and more. Um, unfortunately, they kind of just want to bash those those male gatekeepers, you know, and all they want to do is, oh, look at what this guy said to me. He said I can't be a real fan, blah, blah, blah. And it's it's just all this infighting that they're interested in. And, and this is not by any means a general statement. Um, it's just something that I'm noticing a little bit more these past few months. Um, whereas when I try and share my experiences with people like you, Brandon, people, uh, the other men on the Clashing Sabres team, the other men in the podcasting community, and how great they are, what gentlemen they are, the fact that they constantly go to me for my expertise, it's, that's when I feel like I get shunned. So when I stick up for men in the fandom, that's honestly the only time I ever feel shunned from other women in um the fandom but nine times out of ten when we are just talking about star wars and characters and different things that we can we can do with star wars in our lives like those are seamless conversations and it's really fun to be able to put together some common thread um with other women obviously you know it's usually all done online now um that's where it's the easiest to make these connections because you can go join star wars groups and you know perfectly well what you're getting up front whereas if i were to meet a new co-worker it's kind of like we have to ease into are you a star wars fan me too okay let's go <laughs> yeah actually i will say Lindsay, that i've had a similar experience just in that sometimes i feel like I want to celebrate Star Wars, right? A lot. I want to talk about why I love Star Wars. I want to talk about the themes in Star Wars that resonate me, with me, all those things. And sometimes, frankly, I don't have the energy to get to get into fandom drama. And sometimes it is important to speak up. And I just, sometimes I feel like a bad feminist, honestly, because I don't get involved in every in every you, you conflict. I just, I just threw my hands up in the air in like a giant victory. <laughs> because I, I feel the same exact way whenever I'm like, but I love Brandon. Like, I love these other men who I've met. Like, does that make me a bad feminist? Does that, 
you know, make me more into Star Wars than it does these other aspects of my life. Like, it's it's tough, but I just want to be a positive person. I don't want to sit there and dwell on the few abnormalities. I want to sit here and celebrate what I can. Yes, exactly. And I think sometimes, you know, those abnormalities, those, those poop heads really deserve to be called out. But I just, I don't always have uh, the spoons as... People say, like, I don't have the energy. I don't have the whatever it is. And I just want to talk about how much I love The Last Jedi. Um, I'm a big fan of the just keep scrolling mentality. Like, I don't have to. You know, I think um, there's this one quote that's always stuck with me where someone said, you know you've reached a higher level of maturity when you understand that not every situation needs to have a reaction. And that's how I feel about people on the (laughs) internet. It's like, if you don't like something, you don't always have to make it this huge moral high ground and accuse every single person of being offensive or anything like that. It's like, no, just, just keep scrolling. You didn't like something, you don't have to make a big fuss and drag everyone down. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that part of it. And then on the other hand, like, I just am very, whether it's men or women that I discuss fan with, I'm very careful to like, I curate my spaces, you know, I co-host Lattes with Leia with one of my best friends, Dr. Dre Ledimenti and her, I never like, I know I can have deep dives into Star Wars with her and I'm not going to be judged and she's going to be open-minded and we're really going to have a good back and forth. Whereas if it's a, a fan I don't know um, well, for example, or somebody, an example being this is, this one is, uh, is about a man, but we were at a friend's, a mutual friend's birthday dinner and he knows I love Star Wars. He knows I, I wrote a book and he was like, he comes over. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about stars with you. And I'm like, Awesome. Like, yes, please. And he comes over and sits beside me at one point during dinner. He's like, okay, I just want to talk about how much The Last Jedi sucks. And I'm like, oh, but what if we talked about something? Like, what if we went to this, like, talking about what we both love about Star Wars? That would be cool. Yeah. You know what my first question is now when someone tells me that they're into Star Wars? I just straight up ask them. I go, oh, tell me what you love about it. And if they're saying, you know, like, oh, I love because I was there in 77 and it changed the world, changed the way, you know, we all looked at movies. Or if they're just saying, I love the battle scenes. You know, I love Rogue One because it's such a war movie. It's like that kind of gives me a feel for where I can start to take the conversation to keep it positive. That's a really good approach. And I'm going to steal that um (laughs) and also and also upon thinking like i do want to add when i say you know i don't have the energy to get involved into all the the things like i also want to point out like i'm aware that i am a privileged white woman and i have a different experience than a lot of um other people in fandom a lot of other women in fandom so like i recognize that and and i respect people for for taking up the um the banner in situations <laughs> in, in yeah, crappy situations yeah. basically but and, i just I, I have to protect my mental health too it's good to learn too um yes one example that i can think of with another woman um is actually brandon you were there that night it was on this show when we all came together as a team 
and we were talking about our initial reactions to Rise of Skywalker. And at first, one thing I really loved was the whole Poe being a spice runner at first, because I thought that it opened up a lot of great comedy. But Adriana had mentioned, you know what, as a Latina, I find it offensive that every single time we have representation, it's a drug dealer. And to me, it was just like that aha moment where I could totally understand that because of her experiences and where she was coming from, like, of course, that would be offensive. And I, you know, Amy, just like you, privileged white woman, I can't really sit there and be like, Adriana, you're overreacting or, oh, no, that's not true because it is true. I just didn't think of it yet. So it's really fun to meet women in the fandom like Adriana, who can just very calmly explain her point of view and why she sees things in a certain way, where even if it's negative, I learn something. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the key things about all of this is sometimes it's really knowing when when to shut up and learn. And I try to do that as often as I can, because there are many different perspectives besides mine, and I wish... I wish more people in fandom would do the same. Just let's sit back and listen and be constructive and learn to be better. We, we should always be trying to do that, right? Like that's one of the right? lessons of Star Wars. That's, that's one of the lessons you brought up about Ahsoka earlier. And I mean, I want to make clear, you know, with this Diversity Alliance little series that we're doing, you know, we're because, you know, we can't talk with everybody. We're only getting certain perspectives on LGBTQ and, you know, uh, females and and whatever whatever uh, other episodes we may have in the future um but we're, we're hoping just to kind of like start the conversation and like you guys have, have talked about how do we talk about this stuff and have different points of view without like it devolving into something it doesn't need to be because there are so many so many great people in fandom and i found a lot of them you know are are females you know uh, a lot of my really good star wars friends are women and and i think part of that is because like i personally um connect with female characters more than i do male characters and i know there's a lot of of other guys out there that that really connect with characters like like ray and leia and ahsoka so kind of i want y'all's opinion on what do you think it is about the female characters in star wars that i feel like it more easily transcends gender to connect with so many different kinds of people oddly enough um Brendan, you're probably the only person in the world who this isn't going to surprise that I'm going to bring this up right now. Um, But I think the perfect example isn't even Leia. It's not Ahsoka. It's it's no one like that. I think the perfect example for why this transcends things is actually Phasma. You know, when that book came out, I spoke a lot about how amazing Star Wars is because... It's probably one of the only franchises out there where it's, it's brave enough to say, we can have this god-awful villain. And the thing that <laughs> does really is absolutely, you know, it's, it is Game of Thrones, Westeros-level terrible and disgusting. And to be able to say, okay, we can have a woman do it because we are spread everywhere. You know, we have great examples that are women, we have people who struggle and grow that are women. So we, we feel comfortable saying, let's take the worst of the worst and also make her a female. Um, 
but it's it's just that it's the fact that there is something for everyone and there really does seem to be even representation where in star wars the gender feels second nature and you're really more focused on what does this person bring to the character or what does this person bring to the mythology and how do they elevate the story where it's honestly a 50-50 toss-up for if it's a man or a woman, so we don't think of it anymore. What What are some examples of female characters whose arcs you feel have been handled really well and are good representation for, for a diverse set of, of females? You know, as Lindsay was talking, Sabine Wren immediately came to mind for me Ugh. because you... It just... Yes, so good. exactly. So good. Truth! Is it... I left to save everyone! My mother! My father! My brother! Everything I did was for family! For Mandalore! I built weapons! Terrible weapons! But the Empire used them on Mandalore! On friends! On family! People that I knew! They controlled us through fear! <laughs> Mandalore! Fear of weapons I helped create. I helped enslave my people. You watch her at the beginning with the ghost crew kind of not trusting fully in what Hera's doing and are they making a difference and why are we even fighting if it's not going to ultimately result in us winning uh, in a short period of time to going. So she started there and then with everything with her family and taking on the Darksaber and doing what she did for Mandalore in the past and the future. Just, she has a lot going on and she struggles a lot. And that is very, it's, it's kind of something I struggle when people are like, Ray, she's so perfect. She's she, like, she has had a hard life. Yeah. She, so I, I think anytime we see those moments of a character, just being real and being relatable, even if they're in another galaxy, a fictional world and, nothing like ours they have these very human it's like these these scenes these thoughts these reactions that like yes i feel that and i feel that more from characters like sabine and hera or holdo than i than i do sometimes with the male characters it's crazy with sabine because for the majority of rebels she was kind of just okay she's there like I really love Kanan, really love uh, Hera. Ezra, you know, is obviously the center of the story. And then there's, you know, Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper, and they're fun and everything like that. And that Trials of the Darksaber episode, it just literally, like, in 20 minutes, she became the most important character, except for Ahsoka, in that series for me. Like, the most important. It was mind-blowing. And I think, looking back on it now, it's because of the vulnerability that she had. You know, and I, I feel like women just by nature are better at being vulnerable and opening up about themselves, you know, whereas men are. And I think this is a difference between Anakin and Ahsoka, right? Like where Anakin digs his head in the sand when there's a problem, Ahsoka learns from it, you know, and she's more vulnerable and is willing to look at, you know, where she made her mistakes. So it's just an interesting and maybe that's, you know, part of, of why I connect with them, because I am somebody who tries. I, I do wear my heart on the sle on my sleeve. And we get, I think, a lot of more of that with uh, with the women characters. Yes. And vulnerability. Thank you. That word was entirely escaping me for some reason. It's on my mind right now a lot because I'm listening to uh, Brene's 
Brene Brown's book, uh, Dare to Lead, which she talks about Star Wars uh, in there. So check it out. Um, speaking of books, Amy, you wrote a, a wonderful book that Lindsay and I are huge fans of, Women of the Galaxy. And um, I just have to say, like, I I don't always take, a, you know, like a I, I don't always take a book with me to school, but when it's a it's good one and I'm like, I want to read it every second I have a spare chance, I take it with me. I definitely Oh my gosh, that book's not small either. Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I definitely <laughs> did not have the easiest time carrying around that book and also like trying to keep it very pristine because the art in there is insanely good. But I had so many people asking me, I had, you know, people who would never really you know pay attention to what i'm reading because i'm just always reading star wars but they saw that book and, and really were just like whoa what are you reading there so shout out to uh, to everybody involved there but for you personally did writing that book did it have an effect on your fandom or your star wars experience yeah well first of all thank you that's very kind um very kind words and that is not a pocket-sized book to carry around so i'm really in awe of that here i am too lazy to pack it to conventions to get artists to sign it because i'm like this is big it doesn't fit in my anyway it really did like it was such a joy to you know research that book even though right so i already know the characters at that point especially i was caught up on all the novels most of the comics i am i am not these days because there are a lot um but to go back and revisit specific points for each of these characters and to to decide what to put in the book like how what kind of highlights what flaws what what things do i include like just made me connect more to the characters but then also to fandom especially once i got to talk about the book hearing from other fans like which female characters resonated with them and why compared to which ones do with me and why like it just it's another learning experience right and just taking a bigger i get a bigger broader view of the galaxy and the women in it. So that really had a, has had a big impact on me in the past, uh, whenever it came out two years, I don't know, two years. Yeah. 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 I think it's, yeah. And I'm just saying what we wouldn't be against a special edition with Cara Dune added in there. Just throwing that oh, out there. I agree. Like what a crime that I wrote that before the Mandalorian, honestly, <laughs> I'm like, just looking the at the armor. Oh, she's great. She's the best. L- Lindsay knows I, we text, all day and at least once or twice a week and you know Cara Dune comes up uh even if it's just like a picture uh, as she should she really should because <laughs> it actually doesn't seem like she comes up enough in my opinion <laughs> honestly I'm I'm with you there like it's it's crazy like there's so many great Star Wars actors who are are really great with the fandom but I don't know why well, I know with Ashley, with Ashley Eckstein, like she's just literally the the greatest, nicest person on the face of the earth. But I get kind of the same vibes with the uh, Gina Carano of just like right? so thankful to to be here and so excited about the fandom and just such a beacon of like positive energy uh, that is just like cherish this, cherish it because you you ruined it with a lot of other characters, Star Wars fandom. So cherish. angel that is gina carano um so just kind of to to wrap up and and finish off this conversation for now and obviously hopefully this conversation continues on with all of you listening from from here and in our facebook group and stuff but you know representation is something we brought up and it comes up a lot and there's definitely been an effort by lucasfilm to to have more female representation in front of and behind the camera writing all of those things so um 
there's obviously like debates that go on about whether it's enough or, or whatever. And we're not going to really get into that here, but just kind of in your opinions, um, what, what would you like to see as the next step for, for Lucasfilm in terms of representation for women? I would really like to see them get a female writer and director on a film. I love what they've done with Mandalorian. I think that's great progress, but I think there is room to grow and certainly an insanely, you know, there are a number of insanely talented women who can tell those stories and bring their own perspectives and their own experiences to them. Lindsay, what about you? I, how could I top that? (laughs) (laughs) I, I think the only way I could top it is just by clarifying that if it could be Patty Jenkins, that would be really preferred, (laughs) but, but yeah, I'll take anyone at this point. I am so there for that. So there for it. Uh, okay, so this this has been a really fun conversation, and I really appreciate, Amy, you taking the time to, to come on here and, and give us some of your weekend time. Um, before, we, before we sign off here, we have uh, a little lightning round we like to do with our guests uh, when they come on, and it's five quick questions uh, just to kind of get to know you as a Star Wars fan more. So question number one, which Star Wars movie did you watch most recently and why? What was it? Oh, last, was it really Last Jedi? Yeah, Last Jedi. And that was ahead of Rise of Skywalker. I was just more marveling that I haven't apparently watched a Star Wars movie since December, which is weird. You got a, you're, you're a busy lady. You got some stuff going on. What is your, or who is your, rather, who is your Star Wars partner in crime or BFF? This could be in Galaxy or in our Galaxy. Oh, definitely in our Galaxy. It's uh, Drea, who I co-host Lattes with Leia with. She is my dark side. (laughs) She is the dark side to my light side. And you would never, (laughs) she's a very Count Dooku kind of dark side. Like, you wouldn't expect her to be dark side. But what would your Star Wars pet be? Oh, uh, Tuka Cat, hands down. You almost had it right. The correct answer was a poor or a lock cat, <laughs> but you were close. <laughs> I mean, fair. I would take either of those. All right. Which Star Wars character would you let take over your Twitter account? Oh, boy. Qui-Gon, because then it would just be nothing but wisdom for hours and hours. Ooh, great that's a, point. I think that's the first time we've gotten Qui-Gon. I like that. I like that. All right. To close it up. Favorite Star Wars one-liner? Well, we just talked about Qui-Gon, so um, your focus determines your reality. Well, that's not really a one-liner. That's a quote. Well, I mean, I'm going to take it because that like, literally is like a foundation of how I live my life. So, yeah. No, I accept it. You're, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Good time. So, Amy, thanks again for coming on and having this conversation with us. And you guys are having this same conversation, same you know in-depth looks at Star Wars that we try to do here over on Lattes with Leia. So tell, uh, tell people about that and where they can find it and where they can find you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's really been fun to chat with you. Um, you can listen to Lattes with Leia wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're dealing with a thing where we normally record in person and are just not doing that for the first time and having um, all kinds of problems that other podcasters know how to deal with and we don't so we're a little behind is what i'm saying but we're working on it um and folks can find me on instagram and twitter at amy underscore geek you can find my writing on nerdist and stay tuned for some star wars projects news in the future soon 
I think. Awesome, awesome. And you can definitely find that uh, information here when it releases on Clashing Sabers over in our Facebook group, uh, which is Star Wars Clashing Sabers, where we are having uh, in-depth conversations and also just some fun questions that we are uh, playing around with lately. So you're going to want to come over there and you can hang out with us on Twitter at Clashing Sabers or you can uh, read our stuff, nominated teacher, uh, for our book donations over at clashingsavers.net. And we will have some more um, coming on that here pretty soon with some YouTube stuff we're going to do and our Patreon. So stay tuned uh, to all of that right here on the network. Just click that subscribe button and you will get all of our shows. And you will get two shows with Lindsay. So Lindsay, tell them about... uh, what you do and where they can find you uh yeah well you guys can apparently find me on twitter as i do nothing but refresh my dash waiting for this news of upcoming projects from amy (laughs) um that's gonna be taking up most of my time um, especially since i will apparently be inside for really the foreseeable future uh, you guys can find me over on Twitter at the Lady Allure, where I am always up to discuss w- really what it is you love about Star Wars. I was not kidding that that's always my first question for people. Um, I want to talk about what you love, what you're passionate about. Keep the positivity going in the fandom. Keep the love going there. Um, and then, of course, on the Clashing Sabers Network, you can find me here on the flagship show as well as on Don't Burn the Sacred Text, where we break down all of the Star Wars books um, and really take an in-depth look there. So other than that, you can also find me on the Facebook group. Awesome, awesome. And remember the most important lesson, whether it's in Star Wars, out of Star Wars, this is the most important life lesson you're ever going to hear. So listen up, people. Batch 8. Hi-ho. Oh, I was ready that time. Yes. You were a little (laughs) slow. You were a little slow. I mean, I can't let you just like get away with it. You were a little behind. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.